Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Further Love of Paul McGrath Podcast. And tonight I'm joined by a Paddy, but not the regular Paddy that everybody is used to. Um, I'm joined tonight by the wonderful Pat, Paddy Silk from the Man United Agenda Podcast. And uh, we were actually just chatting there off uh, offline a moment ago. And, and this is something that I want to do a bit more of as well as get other teams' perspectives and that healthy, that friendly rivalry chat uh, before games as well as and when it comes on. And as Paddy said there, it's good to get the perspectives from both sides. It's healthy and it's healthy to, to, to kind of understand, I suppose, football as opposed to having it a kind of a colloquial uh, uh, rivalry or battle regardless of who you're playing. But but Paddy, thank you so much for popping on. I was delighted yeah. when, you, when you reached out. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to know a small bit more about Manchester United other than, I suppose, what we see pushed down our throats on TV and, and, and in any other type of type of arena that we look at it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, go ahead. Go ahead, Neil. Ask the questions. No problem at all, Neil. Yeah, yeah well, look, as, as I say, I, offline there a moment ago, we were just mentioning as well, and we were saying that this is probably going to be a very much a Man United-driven podcast because... I couldn't tell you what Ula Emery is going to do the weekend. We got our very first glimpse of him on the training field today. Um, he's some man to check the time in his watch. That's what I found. And, uh, anybody, you guys in the comments there, did you notice that or was that just something I picked up? He's constantly looking at his watch, which I suppose maybe could be a drill sergeant mentality whereby he's not going to let anybody get away with any uh, with anything. But uh, it looked promising. But from a Manchester United point of view, you guys obviously have a new manager at, at the helm since the start of the season. Came in with great fanfare. You know, a darling of European football as well. In I suppose it hipster European football, you might even say, and Eric Ten Hag, um, kind of like a Nuna Emery type, whereby he's, he's methodologies, he's, he's, uh, he's training... Um, ethoses and stuff like that were very much uh, lauded, I suppose, throughout Europe. But talk to me about that transition, I suppose, that, that, that has come about with Eric Ten Hag. 
it has has it been plain plain sailing, or is it a case whereby he really has a job on his hands with Manchester United? I think you're right. I think he has got a job on his hands at Manchester United. I mean, our first first two games we got beat, obviously, mm. and that was a bit of an eye opener for Ten Hag. And I mean, I think that was an eye opener for him, the players that we have that really aren't good enough, um, mm. in my view. And I think he had to change things around definitely. I mean, we've got those, we've got our, our defensive issues at the back with Maguire and. And whoever, to be fair, were woeful, woeful beyond woeful, not good enough for this club. So I think he, he then went back on the training field again after the second game we lost. I knew we were going to get beat at Brentford. If I remember Brentford, we got thrashed. I knew mm. we were going to have to go back to the drawing board, which he did do, and change things. And things have got better since then. There's players that he bought pre-season. Um, you know, Martinez, everyone had a go-go. Martinez said he's, he's a hobbit. He's not going to be to head the ball. Do you know what I mean? And he really has silenced the likes of Carragher and a few other um, manager that Sooners included with with his with his with his defensive. We got the defense correct now. Obviously, mm. Maguire's back now, which worries me a little bit. Hopefully, he'll be that ship sailed in my respect. But he has got it. He's done really well, Ten Hag. He really has. You know, I'm really impressed with what he's done on the training field. He's got the players playing well to a system. There's an issue with Ronaldo's. You know, that's been yeah. Bubbling. Um, but I think he's handling that very well. He just said, "No, you're not playing that day. I don't care if you can storm off the pitch." So he's got. He's been ruthless, and I'm pre pleased that he's been ruthless. He has to. This is a real. It's going to take time for him to stamp his authority on this team, and he's he's seen he's doing it. But I think it's going to be a, a lot more to do, mate. A lot more to do. Um, mm. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'm looking uh, forward. I'm looking forward to Ten Hag being. Yeah, and, and and I think you should, and I think a lot of people are looking forward to seeing if, uh, like specifically, I suppose people maybe even outside the Premier League to see if he can do it, if he can come in there and finally be the person who puts stops the rot. Yeah. Sorry, lads. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> well, there you go. I think um, I live down the road from Bodymore Heath. I think Aston Villa are a good side. All my mates are Villa fans, and that's the reason why I'm on the show. So it's interesting. I love the, I love these games from Man United Villa, by the way. I really do. All the way back to the seventies, late seventies. So uh, it's a big game for me personally, uh, especially all my mates being Villa fans. There you go. Neil, literally, my my whole screen kind of turned this kind of orange and green color, and then it just reset my whole computer restarted. Anyway, let's, let's but no, all good, all good. I was just saying, speaking to the lads on the thing, so. Fair play to them. talking to all the Villa fans on here about how, how important this game is to me personally as well. So, uh, excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, what I was trying to say there before technology rudely interrupted me, um, <laughs> was that it's been a kind of a 10 year how, how would I put it? You, the, the club have had the handbrake on, I think, Man United. I think it's fair to say, and they've had the handbrake on for about 10 years, uh, I'd say at this stage, you know, so obviously since Sir Alex has left. It's just been fits and starts and fits and starts and fits and starts. And, and I was saying there that the I, I think the footballing fraternity in Europe is kind of looking to see if Eric Ten Hag can can, can turn this around. And and, and as, you, as you said there, the early signs are the early signs are, are, are that it might be happening. But what I was most intrigued about was he that you said that he's being ruthless, that he's rooting out people. You know, he brought in Lissandro Martinez uh, types of players and 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 he's playing him at centre half. You know, the Harry Maguires are getting less game time, although he is back at the moment. And and you mentioned obviously about Ronaldo and so on. But do you like do you think he's even he's even halfway through that job of weeding out those players? And how many players do you think Manchester United would would realistically need to need to Need to, I'm not even going to say turnover, but like how many kind of 
bad eggs do you think might be inside there that need to go for this dressing room to become a small bit more more coherent? Well, my view on it, and it upsets some of my colleagues at the agenda, possibly, and a lot of the United fans out there, is that we need a new left back. I know we've got Malice, he's mm-hmm. got to come on. Right yeah. back, Ballot's been offered a new contract today. I'm sorry he's not good enough for the club, and nor is Shaw. Mm-hmm. Maguire, no, that's ship sale. That's going to go as we, that's gone as well. The midfield seems to be sorted at the moment. I still love to see another midfielder come in there, maybe De Jong, if he if decides to leave. A striker, definitely. Everyone's getting carried away with Ratchford in his form at the moment. Yeah. Sorry, we need someone clinical, clinical up there. And they say Martial's going to come in. He'll he'll save the day. Ten Hag uh, rates him. I don't rate him. I think he's been in that club too long and he hasn't. It's not going to get any better. Um, so in my view, he's been in that club what fifteen years now, and I'm taking the piss now, Neil. But what I'm saying, <laughs> this fella's been at this club now uh, for too long, and nothing has happened. I mean, he was injured the last few games, which is fair enough. But so we need, we do need some more surgery in this team to get us where we are. We're in the UEFA uh, Europa League at the moment, but that Europa League is going to change soon. But those clubs yeah. who are going to get out, who are getting beat in the Champions League, are going to come down. We might get Barcelona if we don't beat Real Sociedad tomorrow night by two clear goals. We'll yeah. end up with teams and that's a test for us so yeah we, we've got some surgery to do in this team and I'm hoping Ten Hag will be given the support and the, and, the, and he will do because if you want to get this club back up to where it was before which will take a long time I know we had, the Man City have set the bar up and they and and the um, you know Arsenal doing very well at the moment but I think mm. the, city and the City bar we're nowhere near that yet you feel at all but you know they're our noisy neighbours but and they're a great team and they're a great manager so let's see what happens but we are we're getting there, but we do. He needs to be ruthless with his players. I mean, Ronaldo. I don't know whether he should have come back. To be fair, but he has saved us. And, the, and by the yeah. way, the saved us in these games. But Ronaldo, I think maybe that we need to be in transition and maybe move on without him. And and do you think? Do you think? I suppose there's a short sightedness from the people at the top of the club. Uh, like it's often been thrown at it. It was thrown at with uh, Ed Woodward as well. And even I, I couldn't even tell you who's there who's running the show at the moment. Um. But is is that short sightedness in search of uh, the big payday at the end of the year uh, over um, footballing trophies and over maybe footballing success? Is that still something that really is thrown around at Manchester United, or do you genuinely believe that people are are trying to make the club a better club on the footballing side of things, or is it still very much the bottom line? I suppose the question I'm asking is, has it ever really been just about a bottom line club in the last 10, 10 years? Or is that just a narrative that's been thrown around there? Because God knows, I'm a hater of a lot of these, a lot of narratives that football clubs just just tend to pick up because of laziness. So talk to me a small bit about that. What is the story with the accountants running the the, the club situation that the, the, the people oh, talk about. Well, you, you, it's just in Ed Woodward. I saw the termination of his thing today. And, his, and obviously, you've got the the new chief exec, who's his pal. Um, mm. Not a very nice person, to be fair, but you know, from what I understand. But he's running it. These are people, the business people, they're not footballing people like David Gill we had before with Sir Alex Ferguson, who really worked well with the manager and got these players in. So it was a turnaround, but just kind of stupidity. I mean, look, Ed Woodward wanted to get the Super... He was part of the Super League, thing was, which mm. went massively wrong. And also as well, you get Phil Jones a fifty-year contract. Right, I'm taking the mick again, Neil. You know, it, it, you know. I mean, what the hell? We give him Phil Jones a, a contract for that long? Woodward did it apparently around them. So we got involved in stupidity, a lot of incompetence at the top. Yeah. Glazers, the owners who don't really care, do they? Let's be honest, with they don't care. These installed stooges at the, in this club, and we really have gone backwards. They have spent money though, and you're right. And there's a It'll be thrown back in my. It'll be thrown back in my face now. But you know, he did get the money. The previous managers we had, 
Jose Jose Mourinho before that Louis Van Gaal. You know, Solskjaer mistake with that shadow of that in my view. I know yeah. he's the darling in the club, he's the hero in '99, but he um, unfortunately was not didn't cut it. You know, I went to see Man United, Man City when Solskjaer was on the sideline with Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola was, was was getting the orchestra and getting those players, so it was terrible to see. But yeah, it seems to be getting, but I still people still incompetence is still there at the club until the ownership changes and the hierarchy changes. We're going to get no better. But we, thank God, goodness, we've got this manager in. He's going to take mm. no mess with it. With hopefully with the hierarchy as well, and it's going to give him the time to and spend money as well because we need some. We need to get some good players to get where we need to, you know, and win trophies. Because you know, if you don't win trophies, that's the that's the that's the measure of success at Man United and with Aston Villa as well and other clubs. You know, you put a lot of money, you know, yeah. your, your owners have paid a lot of money into this club. They want trophies. They want to see some success. Mm-hmm. It might take a bit longer with us, though, I think. Uh, but we'll see what happens. We're up there in, in the league, but let's see what happens. It can all change, win or lose. You know, some games you're up and you're down at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. But, we'll, you know, we've got to get some – we've got to get the, the squad depth. It's got to be better of quality. That's the problem. So, yeah, going back to um, United, there's issues above, definitely. And these people, in my view, need to be moved on. We've got the 58 – uh, 1958 um, um, protest is going really well, and, and, and you know the, the ins and outs of that protest. Mm. Group. Chief Exec met with them um, earlier before the, a few, tw- at the start of the season, and he said, "I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that." And well, we still we want them out, we want them out, we want to change, we want to change. As yeah. have some great owners now, and doing some great t- great support for the club in around the ground as well. So we want we want better times. So unfortunately, Neil, there's problems there at the top, definitely. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, what kind of a structure, I suppose, is there for Ten Hag? Because, like, I'm going to be honest, uh, it's, I've kind of, I don't want to say the word, that I, like, I follow, I, I love following football, I love understanding other clubs, I love understanding clubs like the likes of Eintracht Frankfurt that are out there at the moment, and, you know, a lot of these, call them the, the flavours of the month clubs, the clubs that are going to have limited success are going to have some success, but immediately will never be able to break into the top four or top six uh, of their, of their, uh, their leagues for long term. And I think the reason for that is because, look, I think that's where Aston Villa are at the moment. We're looking for one big day of success and hoping we can build on from there. As you said, we do have fantastic owners at the moment and we're in a, a very unen- a very enviable position, should I say, that we've got like the fifth richest owners, I think, in world football or 
sixth or something like that. So so the potential is there for a second city club with a massive fan base, a massive dormant fan base, a massive fan base around the world. Obviously, I'm here in Ireland, and and like all you have to do is look up the guys in 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 the United States. So my reasoning for for going through that whole piece about wanting to understand football is I've given up trying to understand what Manchester United are doing. I, but what have they done with Ten Hag to give him control? Like one of the biggest things is there's there's always this sense of managers having players forced upon them um, within Manchester United. Number one question for that is, is that true or is that something I've just made up? And second of all, do you think that Ten Hag has finished kind of molding his his support structure within Manchester United at the moment? Um, and and will, will they ever bring in that director of football that they've wanted to bring in for the last 10 years? That's a good question, Neil, to be fair. I think he's brought his own people in over from Ajax and um, I think he's he's been given that support to do that. Director of football hasn't happened. Um, it's been, yeah. been very quiet, actually, at the, at the top end. It's all about Ten Hag. It's all been thrust upon him and all his... I mean, he's got the man with the brolly. The, you remember the man with the brolly? He's, he's still there. But he's yeah. helping Ten Hag because I think they were pals at, at um, 20, I think. I 20, yeah. Definitely yeah, yeah. He's been supporting, so that's been good. Um but um, yeah, I think yeah, I think he's he's been given the support, and I think. But you know, what was the other question you said? Sorry, Neil. Yeah. Uh, the the other question was uh, was the director of football. I suppose, like, yeah. do, is are they any closer? Like, Van der Sar seems to be playing. Yeah. Like, he seems to be flirting and then pulling away and flirting and pulling mm-hmm. away. And and I think they probably would have gone for somebody like Overmars if he didn't. If if uh, Van der Sar, but obviously Overmars has had his troubles as well with misconduct and stuff. So. You know, they, they seem to be really like it's it's a five or six year process that they've seemed to try to take to try and get the right person. Whereas Chelsea just literally flood their, their front office at the moment with all these great talent evaluators. And, and and it just seems to me that it's strange that Manchester United can't seem to agree on who they want. Well, I like Van der Sarty fairly obviously he's one of our best co goalkeepers um mm. we've had and he's done he's done his time at Ajax, he's he's, he's studied and he's done well at, I think he's I think in the background that may happen, but I suspect possibly after. I mean, I you know we I thought weeks ago we might get we might get a new owner, uh, but it looks like the Glazers aren't going to sell. They're going to keep taking they're going to keep taking money from this club and, and and get worse. But at some point, if it does happen, maybe director of football and a new hierarchy will come in at the moment. But at the minute we're treading water with this this lot at the yeah. moment. As long as Ten Hag gets success, great. And obviously, the Champions League is the holy grail for all the big clubs. That's where the money is. Um, that's where we're going to be heading, possibly. But there's some good teams in there. You know, there's some good teams up there now. So it's a bit of a fight. But yeah, I'd like to see. I'd love to see Van der Sar there because he knows the club. He knows the ins, ins and outs. He was there before. Hmm. But it's still, it's, it's still. I don't know. It's still being not run. Really. Probably got uh, you know some ex-players there. I was really critical of ex-players being in those. But you know, pick, you know, in director of football and direct. No, they haven't got the experience. No way, you know, and, and that did, just didn't work. So I think Ten Hag's got a, a real hold on things at the moment because if he doesn't, he'll walk. That's it. Yeah. I think he's probably got, you know what, we don't need this job. But, you know, I'm, I'm quite well, to, he's quite a rich fella, bless him. You can go back to Ajax with, with, open, with open arms or anywhere in Dutch football at all. Yeah. But he's got a, so he's, he really is, I think he doesn't take any messing. And also, yeah, yeah in my view, anyway. 
I don't think so either. I, I, I think he looks like a fellow who can grit his teeth and, and make a make a tough decision. And and as I say, he he'd have no problem blowing things up because he's got a lot of credit in the bank, as I say, in European football. Uh, based on what he did at Ajax, and there'll be a lot of clubs uh, that would take a chance on him. Not even a chance on him. There are a lot of a lot of clubs would be would be looking for him probably to fail at Man United to give them the structure that he needs. If that's if Man United don't want to fully commit to him, but we've obviously got a manager of our own, as I said, Unai Emery is coming here, and and for the for for. Um, for us today was the first time, as I say, we saw him on, on on the football field. He's brought in a whole new backroom team. There's obviously been a couple, one or two stayovers there. Aston McPhee has stayed around. Please don't write in the comments what your feelings are on Aston McPhee. It's fine. We've heard them before, I'm sure. But uh, you see, it's just interesting that I see him there on the training field today, and he seems to be pretty heavily involved in in some of the training. But what I'm getting at here is I don't think that Aston Villa are finished with the... And the reason I asked the director of football question was a loaded question because I don't think Aston Villa are probably finished with their hierarchical changes that they will make over the course of the season as well. But I suppose, like, from your view, Unai Emery, he's no mug. He's no... He's no... Um, you know, he's no... He's no... Uh, it's not. He's not somebody that Aston Villa are quote-unquote, taking a chance on, I suppose. There's big expectations for him. And and I, I think the question I want to ask you with this is, being a non-Villa supporter, what was your, like, like what's your view on it? Because I remember when he was rumoured to be to be going to going to Villa and the likes of Poch and the likes of Tuchel, like, there was a lot of other non-Villa fans and, and, and a lot of Villa fans as well saying, not a hope. Why would he take over a team 17th, 16th in the Premier League? But what was your view on that? What's your view on Emery as a manager himself? And be honest, well, you don't have to make friends here. No, 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 at all. <laughs> I mean, I got, look, I live down the road from Bollymore Heath, just down the road here. But, yeah, you were saying, yeah. From here, so, and I got a lot of friends, at the, um, Aston Villa fans, and loads and loads of them. So we know all the lads, and then we chat about who's going to have the manager's position. But Pochettino, I felt, doesn't know how to win in my regards. Emery does. He's a winner, and his record stands like there's no tomorrow for Villarreal. You know, look at his, look at his um, record. Um, but when I when I saw Tuchel, I thought mm, that's interesting. That he would be something else for Villa, possibly. Okay. Whether it, I think he, he would have come, possibly. I don't know what what what's gone on there, uh, whether he was approached or not. But I thought Tuchel would be fantastic for Aston Villa. I was really worried then about you getting him because I think he would be great for Aston Villa, especially playing us. But Emery is here. Um, I'm, I'm now. I'm, I want other Villa fans and yourself to tell me: Does he speak? Is his English? Better now? Does he not need an interpreter? I think he's better now. Villa seems to be. Yeah, yeah. We haven't had an interview. You know, there's always going to be those things because you know the 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 caricatures of him and how he spoke when he was at Arsenal. And I, I had Graham Hunter in the podcast, and Graham Hunter said to me, both before on and after the podcast, he said that it's something that kind of really irked him. The, the media coverage of the of of his uh, of of his his pigeon English, if you want to call it, I don't know if that's an acceptable yeah. term to use. If it's not, I do, I apologize to anybody offended. But um, that they 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 it irked him because the man speaks five different languages and uh, he can communicate in all those different languages. And yes, it's not going to be perfect, but uh, I think the moral of the story here is and, and and what Graham Hunter said was that he has been working on his English, that it's always been a goal of his to get back to English football, that he had actually said yes to Newcastle United, went back to Villarreal and found the, the ire of the owners at Villarreal and then basically chicken, well, not chickened out, but basically decided that he would, would stay the course with Villarreal until the end of the season. Um and and 
thank you very much for that, Mr. Emery, because now you've ended up at Aston Villa. So to answer your question, I think it's always been a goal of his to come back to England. He thinks he's got unfinished work here. Um, I think he was fairly un he was fairly unfairly treated, should I say, at Arsenal. Um, prior to last season, I think it was prior to last season, it they were it was their best finish in the Premier League since Arsene Wenger has um ha has departed. Uh, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully the it's in the tea leaves for him to come and do that and have one of our best uh, ever Premier League seasons this season as well, albeit he has his work cut out starting at the weekend. And talking about the weekend as well, Paddy, um, you're going to be missing somebody who just absolutely loves to play against Aston Villa, but I'm, I, I, I hope you don't mind me saying, he oh. usually does something that really gets the crowd absolutely worked up for weeks afterwards, and that's Bruno Fernandes. Whether it be the, the penalty he won when he, when he stood on Ezri Kanza, or whether it be the goals he scored against us, or, or whatever it is, he's always, like, whenever, whenever Bruno Fernandes comes away from playing against Aston Villa, I can guarantee you on every single Villa site, he's public enemy number one. But he's going to be missing this weekend. But my question for you is, has he really been missing all this year? He doesn't seem to have clicked into full, into full speed like he has in previous years. Or is it just he's not getting the goals output that he has? You're right. He's not been the same player, to be fair, since last season. But he's given, they've been giving him the captain's armband, and I'm going to be quite, mm. quite critical. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm, a, I'm quite harsh. I don't think he's a, 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 I don't think he's a Man United captain. Either. There's not anybody in that team as a leader. But you're right. He hasn't been the same player. And when he's, a lot, few of the fans have been quite critical of him when he gets kicked and goes down. Look, you try and kick Roy Keane or any, or any of the other players from the past kick down. They get up and they get, get on with it. He's been clutching his leg, clutching his ankle, moaning at the referee. I mean, I, I remember one game I had to shout at Fernando. I've never really shouted at him at United, but, upset. but he was having, following the referee for 20 minutes, moaning about a decision. I thought, get on, get on with your game. Just get on with your game. So he does, he, he has played well, but I did see that he got the booking and he was, that was, and I thought, oh no, because we're going to miss him against mm. the ball. Um, that was a real worry. But he, like you say, he hasn't. He's been doing well. I mean, I watched, saw the Arsenal-Liverpool game at Old Trafford. They put some great balls through for, for Ratchford to score those goals at Arsenal, I remember. So he has got that. He's got that bit of magic. He's a luxury player in our side. He is, you know. Yeah. But, you know, Casemiro, for me, is the business at the moment. He's the, he's, yeah. he's the $60 million diamond. He's doing everything for us. So, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be with... with Fernandez. that's going to be a blow for us. That might give you... May give you the edge. I don't know. We, we can't really... I don't know it's a difficult one for me. When I saw Fernandez, I thought, "Oh no, Villa, Fernandez is that's going to be a big blow, big blow." Uh, will Will it just be a straight swap? Do you think he'll move Ericsson into that ten position, and maybe, uh, and then you'll have Casemiro and maybe McTominay, um, or Fred or whoever he put, he's going to play in there alongside him? Because obviously, look, Casemiro has been he's been eased into his Manchester United career so far, albeit that he's played very, very well in any of the games he's played. But does that mean that Ericsson will? Uh, We'll, we'll just probably slot into that role and try and pull the strings behind because he's not a bad replacement if we can get him firing up there. He's fantastic, Ericsson. I've been so impressed with him since he's come in. He really has. You can see his quality. I mean, I saw him at Spurs. You know, I don't know why we took so long to sign this player. He should have come to us for a long while. We were missing a player of that type for a long time and and we should have got him. And he's been brilliant this year. I thought he'd be a bit part because of his age and, he, you know, obviously he's had his problems, bless him, with his heart and everything else. But he's really has taken off in this team, and and with Fernandez, so he, uh, hopefully he'll slot in there definitely. But Ericsson's been—you can see his quality on the ball. He strokes it about. He, he put the—he was given all the time in the world by the lovely West Ham defence last uh, last week mm. to, for Ratchford to get the header in. 
Um, so he, he he seems to stroke the ball around, you know, equality players. Not many of those midfielders around, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, that quality, um, I think City have got one or two, haven't they, and, and other teams. But they are diamonds in the rough, some of these um Eric, uh, these players like Ericsson, yeah, definitely. I think so, and I think probably look, Ericsson was very helter skelter when he was with Spurs. He was a really good player. Like, don't get me wrong, but what he learned is uh, when he went to Italy and he was playing with Inter Milan, he kind of learned how to slow his play down but keep the quality high. And if you're going to have longevity within the game, and look, I'm not saying anything to do with his heart or anything like that, but I think you know a lot of players leave it very late to go to Italy because they go, oh, it's it's a slower pace of game, and I'll go there. But there's a lot of merit in what Christian Eriksen did and going there a small bit earlier in his career he's learned how to probably prolong himself into the future you know a lot of people raise their eyebrows at him oh why is he playing him in a sixth position when he's an actual 10 well everybody you just gotta think back to Andre Perlow he wasn't always that mercurial number six that could play with a glass of wine in his hand he had to learn that because he was very much a forward base player in a 10 position specifically at Inter when he first started off and it was only really when he came back and he started playing in a more languid uh, easier style with the likes of with with, uh, with AC Milan in his later years that he became that really beautifully like cultured number six and I'm not saying that for that that, uh, that Ericsson went there to become that player but when you learn when you learn how to slow the game down for you that's when things start to get fun I would imagine as a footballer God bless me I never had that kind of that kind of ability but could you imagine if the game was just was, had slowed down for, all around you and you were able to do what you want and sometimes Italian football the pace of it can lend you lend lend that to 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 an older player and to a player with up with an obvious skill set. Now you you can't just go there and learn it if you're a donkey. You know yeah. you have to have this certain skill set. But um, you're encouraged to get your head up a small bit more in Italian football, and and it's one of the things that that whenever I'm 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 one of these people that just watches football, football, football as much as I possibly can, and um for my sins, and 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 it's one of the things that I think is very underrated how midfielders can grow and, and, and the cultured Italian midfielder that is sometimes it's kind of poo-pooed now because they don't run at a million miles an hour around the field. And some players don't need to do that. Um, at the weekend as well, you you mentioned a, a, an interesting one there. There's uh, You mentioned about your left-back position. Mm. And you mentioned Luke Shaw not being good enough. But speaking about your, your, your right-back position, and, and somebody, to be honest with you, that, you know, Another person that, that, if I'm not mistaken, has gone to I Italian football and has come back and mm. looks a different player in Diego Dallas at, at that side. I didn't really rate him. Uh, and, and if I'm not mistaken, did he go to, was it Milan he went to? Yeah. He um, went to, yeah. And he then did. he came back and he seems to be playing some really good football at the moment. Um, talk to me a small bit about him because like I would, he's he's a guy I would have written off. I, I don't rate Alex Tellez on the other side at all. I could be wrong on that, but I just no, don't. Wrong. I think he's he's not made for this league whatsoever. But that's no. someone who's 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 really surprised me. And and like at the weekend, I thought he was really really good in that game. But what's the feeling about man? What's the feelings of Man United fans towards him? Well, you know, there's a, I've listened to a podcast earlier about agenda with um, with some of the lads who are on tonight talking about Delart saying because he's got got the new contracts being triggered. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they like him. His application's been good since he came out from Milan. We, you know, he was given a, he was given a, a, a you know given a start last season before Ten Hag set by the by the interim manager um, gave him a start. I personally don't like the player. I just don't think he's the quality of the player and the stick I get with Delart playing so well at the moment. You wouldn't believe I'm like the doubting Thomas. I'm telling you, and and, and I, 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 they do. They, they, I, what are you on about? Don't write that. He's been playing really well. He has been playing exceptionally well. He has been playing well. He's been 
for me, I just don't think I think I always want better in my team as mm. a player. Same with the left back position. Sure, for me, he's gone. He'd been one red card. Here's your P45 gone, mate. I know he's played well and so he's been playing really well, sure. He has. But for me, he's just, you know, I think he's been too he's been in McDonald's for too long in my eyes, you know, eating Big Macs and stuff like that. So he, he he's got to go. And I like Malasia coming in, but Luke, again, Dalla has been playing well. He has, but put him against someone good, mate. Look, my dad, I saw him play last season. Um, and I thought, Dalla, no way, right back. And I've got a pal of mine, MUFC, old school. We go to the games together. Dalla, for me, is never a right back. Never, not for the standard Man United. When I look at previous players, I know people have a go about the history. You got Aston's got a great history um, of the players, and I know them all. I've seen them all. Um, but at Man United, I want the standard, the quality's got to be better than Dalot. People go, mm. oh my, Dalot's playing well. That is my view, Neil, and it's quite harsh. Yeah. I just see out of the box with, with Dalot. He might, let's see what happens. Would so many, well, how many games were not so many games that he's been given this new contract? Oh, wait, Luke Shaw had a great game last week. It's all done on the spur of the moment. Give him, let's see what happens to the end of the season. Mm. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Oh, yeah, he's five games in. We need to give him a bigger contract. We need, he could be Barcelona bound next week. We don't want to start Barcelona bound. Do you really? <laughs> Are you off your head? You know. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Well, we have to do. And, and <coughs> Army, uh, absolutely madness, Neil. Um, so I'm a, I'm a doubting Tom. I, no, not for you know. I'd have most of these players out of this club, and even though they've been playing well. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, the reason I'm laughing so much at that is because I have, I'm very much so in the same piece, like all the way through last season. And I think I was probably vindicated for my view last season on Ashley Young playing at left back or right back in the Premier League. But this season, he's blown me out of the water. He's been absolutely fantastic for us. But when you mentioned about previous uh, previous uh, fullbacks for Manchester United, I still think the man that's able to clone Dennis Irwin, even 20 years on after he retired, will be the richest agent in football because you just don't make fullbacks like Dennis Irwin ever. And if you can clone him and sell him to a couple of clubs, you'll just it'll be a license to print money. And that is me with my Ireland glasses on. For Same sure. here, you know, like I'm a <laughs> national, but my parents are Irish, so I, 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 I yeah. very much want to me. Um, definitely, uh, Dennis Sheridan was was a, was a, a darling for a very consistent. Jack Charlton used to call him most consistent left back yeah. in the Ireland squad for years, and he told Fergie that for you know before every World Cup. So, oh yeah, absolutely, hundred. And that's where I think I like the, the quality. But look, I'll get stick about it mass, massively from the fans, <laughs> massively from you know, you know, you must be mad, you're, you're a lunatic, probably. But I'll say, yeah. but the Dalot for me and Luke Shaw, nah, get off on your bike. Even though he's playing well, I bring in another right back. I bring in another left back as well. Possibly with Malasia coming in, he's got to get his place. I know he's young. Mm. These players have got to try and get their place. But let's see what happens with that. I'm, 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 I'm dead certain on that. Sorry, Neil, I am. No, and look, as I say, it's it. These are the things, and this is why it's good to talk to opposing fans and stuff because. You know, the, the news cycle carries people along most of the time. And a lot of people will get their opinion on clubs. I, I certainly am getting my, my opinion on Manchester United at the moment, um, which is, and I'm getting it from the news cycle, which is dangerous because literally if I if I just opened my door there and wrote anyone a United fan, I'd have a chorus of, yeah, yes, and yes, and everything coming back at me here because everyone in, in Ireland, Ireland sports, Liverpool, United. Yeah, um, sure. But 
but I suppose another little question for you, and we touched on it earlier about Ronaldo, is do you think he starts Ronaldo in this game? You know, do you, th- do you think he plays him? I think he probably plays Rashford, but th- does he try and fit the two of them into the team in some way, shape, or form? No, he won't. Again, he's going to be ruthless about it. He'll play. He'll play Ronaldo in the in the Champions. He probably play him in the Europa League at Red Sociedad, but then he will play Rashford in the, in the league games. I think that's what he's doing. I think that's mm. what he's doing. Um, unless there's injuries, then definitely Ronaldo comes in. Um, but that's what he's doing with Cristiano Ronaldo. He doesn't like it. I can tell you that now. He doesn't like it. Yeah. You can tell he doesn't like being... He wants to play. He wants to play football. And you saw the the row between Roy Keane and Gary Neville the, a weekend ago, which was yeah. great television for everybody, lads. Great box office. And Roy doesn't, doesn't, doesn't you know, love him to be. He, do, he doesn't. He just gives it how it is. So... The Ronaldo, he wants to play. He wants, but, but ten hours ago, you'll play when I tell you, and you'll play in mm-hmm. whatever. If you don't like it, on your bike, you know. Build yep. I think he won't. I think Ratchford will play. But again, I've got criti- I'm critical of Ratchford. I don't think he's very clinical. I talk about your players up front. I don't think any of them are clinical either. Yeah. You need, and they're very harsh to get. But you've got to get more clinical, Ratchford. He scored two. He scored last. He scored a great goal last week and the week before. Um, he has he got great headers, but again, lads, he's got to get clinical. You got to, how many? How many? How many chances? Why are we hanging on to games against West Ham? We've got a great goalkeeper who's saving us massively at the moment. Without mm. him, we're getting beat. Yeah. A season ago, two seasons ago, without De Gea, we're getting beat. And that's and you know sometimes we have that situation as well with our goalkeeper. Uh, definitely two seasons ago he blocked marbles and so on. Um, so I, you know it's it is important to have a good goalkeeper, but also a good goalkeeper can only take you so far as well. Um, question from the crowd here, uh, asking, um, you know, obviously it's a, it might be a sore subject for you, but that manic your Europa League final with the twenty-two man penalty kick shootout and so on. Villarreal obviously beat. Um, it was Una Emery's Villarreal beat beat Manchester United that day. Um, do you remember the game? What's your what's your what what was? Do you have any overarching memories of the game or any feelings towards? Because uh, as I say, it was really like I say it the whole time. That was as motley a crew assembled by any any team that I'm talking about the Villarreal team to go out and win the European trophy that I can remember in years and years and years. And it probably. You know, I, I I might even get stick for this, but it probably harkens back to the time Aston Villa won it in '82 because you know they were a band of men that were good players that were thrown together, and they used hardly anybody over the course of the season. That Villarreal team were thrown together, and they had a good manager who was able to get the best out of them. But what's your overarching or your your abiding memory of that game, or do you have any memory of the game? Because it just would be interesting to tie everything together with Unai Emery and all that. Yeah. I, I, I've got a, a very distant memory about that game, but again, I was very anti Ole Solskjaer as a manager. Yeah, team. and yeah, it was great to get to the final. We got, went through some some up and down games. We did, but Emery again, isn't he? He was brilliant with Villarreal. Knew that team. He knew the players. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, Solskjaer bottled it. With some of the decisions he didn't tactically was inept, and that's what happened. And Emery had that awareness tactically in that game to do to to know what to do in that game. Who to and, but but Solskjaer didn't, and, he, and that's what happened. That's the difference in these games, isn't it? It's it's very small, isn't it? The the, 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 mm. the measure is of how good a manager is making the decisions, especially. And and Solskjaer, unfortunately, he you know, came he came a bit very a second really to Emery, who was it was very good in that game at uh, his tactics, and that's what Emery's got, and, and got a brilliant. Re- I know he's put together Villarreal, but they don't they've done ever so well Villarreal, and he's done a great job with them. He really has Emery. Mm. Really. Really, really, yeah. Good. That game was again wasn't a trophy. Again, that was a failure. We failed. We didn't get a trophy. That was it. 
Yeah. There's a there's a statistic actually. I I just happened to look it up there because I couldn't remember. Um, I couldn't remember uh, the the VRL lineup there, and I was just checking it up. But there's a statistic going around that Una Emery has never lost to Manchester United. Don't am am I am I taking crazy pills here? Or did they not lose? Did VRL not lose to Man United twice in the in the group stages of the Champions League last season? So I'm I'm looking at Man United beat VRL two 0 on the twenty first or twenty third of November last year, and I'm looking at it and they beat them two one on the twenty ninth of September. So you know what, um, I haven't seen that stat. To be fair, yeah. but is that correct? That I mean that's good. Well, yeah, that's interesting. It's not. It's it's not. Well, it doesn't look like it's correct to me, unless unless the statistic is that he's never lost in a final to Manchester. United. He lost twice last year. Um. So I don't know. I don't know. It's a. It's an interesting one. Um. But I. I just thought I'd bring that up. Um. Yeah. Since since uh, since I just saw it there, Paddy. Listen, I'm I'm not going to take up too much more of your afternoon, but I do have one more. Uh, or your night, I suppose. At this stage, it's eleven minutes past ten. Um. Genuine hand on heart. What's your feeling for the weekend? Do you think that uh, Manchester United come to Villa Park and get an easy win, or do you think they come and they come away with a win, or how do you think Aston Villa will fare against Manchester United at the weekend? Well, you know, you don't want to your caretaker manager, but unfortunately, played Newcastle and you got well and truly hammered. And yeah, you got, a, you got. A, I mean, you got. Look, you got a defence that's struggling there, and Mings is a mm. waste of space in my view. I don't know why he's still in the club and. and and also, he's a bit worse. He's not worse. He's probably worse. Well, around par with each other in Maguire. But I think there could be a new manager bounce. I don't want to say that, you know, but I think Ten Hag has come there. And I think we've got some good... I mean, Anthony, for me, is one of the players for me. I hope he turns it on Sunday. He's, he's exciting me. Um, so I think that possibly we'll win on, on Sunday. But but again, the new manager bounce worries me a little bit. Tiny bit. That's creeping into me. The new manager bounce for memories. You're going to get... These players are going to go... Oh, new manager, we, 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 we can't pick it up here. Same as they did with the caretaker man, but they didn't do it with with Gerard. So mm. I don't know what happened. Depends on how how it all how, how they all set up. Um, but if we get some of our if we get some of our players back. Anthony is Anthony special. I think he's he's been the difference for me. He really has. Um, mm. we'll see, but I think we'll win. I do. But the new management bounce is edging me in my ear with Emery, like you say. I'll have to look at that stat after. If that's the case, it's a concern. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, I, I, I think that that Emery will come in with frustrate Manchester United. Or sorry, I think he'd come in and he'd just try and get us really dogged. I wouldn't be surprised if we have twenty, thirty percent percent possession in this game, and I think he'll play it like he did in maybe in that that uh, Europa League final, or maybe even like he played against Juventus last year. Um, I think you're going to get pelters in the comments about saying, "But Tyrone Mings is a waste of space," by the way, as well, yeah. because I can see people say, "Gasp! Oh my God, what's he after saying?" I think the shock of that comment is going is going to reverberate around the comments right. on this. But look. Mm-hmm. Each, each to their own. Everybody's Absolutely. entitled to their opinion. <laughs> well, I don't mince the words, Neil. That's all. I, I'd say how it is, and that Absolutely. is it. Absolutely, that's And with and with other clubs as well. If I see someone, look, I've been watching football as long as I have, Neil. Mm. I've seen who, what's good and what's bad, and I'm sorry, that's 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 bad. Yeah, uh, as I say, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to just finish up the podcast because I can't, my comments are going to start going mad in a minute. No, I'm only joking. Paddy, listen, thank you so much for coming on and being so honest about your own club and about about, about everything in general. It's nice. It's uh, it's good to get the opposition's view. 
Um, may not agree with all of it, but as I say, ninety percent of it I do agree with, and it's great to get that that uh, that viewpoint um from our about our club and also about your own club as well. So I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to going on your podcast as well on Friday, half past eight, isn't it? Friday on Friday, the Man United agenda, and uh, hopefully I can uh, I I can live up to the billing um after uh, you did such a great job here today as well. So everybody, uh, thank you so much for for joining us tonight. If you haven't hit the like button. If you do like this, give us a like, give us a subscription as well. I really appreciate that. I might be back again tomorrow myself with, with a podcast I've been working on, uh, just depending on if I get some time to put together, uh, to get to put it together. Um, and then we might drop on again at half past nine. As I say, I will be on over on my United agenda on Friday night at half past eight. If you guys want to jump in there and uh, and get involved in the comments with some Man United fans, it might, might, might cause a bit of, bit of, bit of controversy. It might be a bit of crack. And as always, we will be back with our team sheet tantrum on Sunday as well. I will be hungover on Sunday doing the team sheet tantrum. So spoiler alert, my voice will be about nine octaves lower. I'm going on a stag on Saturday. So um, I do apologize for nothing, specifically not in advance anyway. So uh, thank you so much, everybody, for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to Paddy. You can find him um, at the Man United Agenda. Paddy, what's your Twitter handle as well? I, I uh, had well, it's Admiral MUFC with Patrick Silk 11. Um, Admiral, if you remember, it's my, it's my favorite brand. So from years ago. We'll remember that. Excellent, excellent. So if you do want any no-nonsense Manchester United uh, in info and, and commentary, Paddy's the man to go to. But thanks very much, everybody, for spending the night with us. We'll see you again very, very soon. Stay safe, stay healthy, and all that's left to say is up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.